Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Babylon Pastor Podcast. What you're about to watch is a section of a longer sermon review. So this month, instead of releasing four separate uh, podcasts of the Babylon Pastor Podcast, we recorded a full sermon review and we've broken them down into four parts. This is one of those parts. If you want to check out the other parts that have been released, check out the description below. And as the last episode of this is actually released, I will release the full video altogether so you can watch the parts or you can wait to the end and watch the full thing. The hope here is that this is beneficial for you and that these parts uh, are broken down so you can kind of deep dive into the sections we talk about. So with that being said, let's jump into this week's section. Welcome to the Babylon Pastor Podcast. As you already know, it's the best podcast on the internet. That's why you're here today. I'm your host, Michael. This is your host, Rob. And today we're going to blow your mind with something that's never been done before, a dual sermon review. <laughs> so welcome <laughs> to the Babbling Pastor Podcast. You know, I think this is a very niche market nice. that we're about to enter into, Rob, because I mean, there are people that do sermon reviews. I do sermon reviews. There's other, some, some channels that like look at sermons. I don't know if there's two people that do. I mean, we're niche, niche, niche right now in what we're doing. Not So what you're saying is not a whole lot of people um, are are crazy enough to enter the confusion of two people trying to talk during a sermon. Actually, yeah, I, I think every week there are millions of people who talk at the same time during sermons. Uh, it's just on a Sunday morning. Um, and they're trying to whisper <laughs> and the pastor, you could see. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So for all of you that know, so before we get into this, I think that would be a very interesting thing. I just want to pick your brain real quick. So you do this every Sunday. I do this okay. like once a month. But is there ever a time where you're up there and you're just like, man, I wonder if that person is even listening because their face is just like. And I go, I wonder if mm. that's just their face <laughs> or, or if, they, if they're just zoned out right now. There's one person <laughs> that I look at and they just look bad the whole time. But I, 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 I've come to the point now that I realize that they're not angry. That's just their face. <laughs> It's just they look mad, but that's just because that is their natural resting face. And I it took me a minute to figure that out. Yeah, no, I I, I I'm kind of distracted by what I'm doing most of the time, actually, fortunately. Um, but I, I mean there there of course have been times when um you you're uh, preaching and um the you know the the kid is starts crying and that kind of thing or the uh i i do notice there are a few people who i know um have a tendency to nod off right like that yeah and and i'm i'm like a a loud guy sometimes like i get into it sometimes so like you you have to really be tired um because even if what i'm saying is terrible it's it's still not going to be boring because I'm like I get loud sometimes. But my favorite story was that there was a, a moment when um, when I was describing uh, something terrible, right? Like like uh, the uh, the 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 hell or something like this, right? And and um, and then there was a, a little girl who at the time was probably like one and a half or two or something, just just barely learning any words at all, right? And, and there came this moment when I stopped and, and there was like a pause 
sort of thing that happened. And and right after I paused, you heard, uh-oh, uh, from, from this little girl. And it was like the most perfectly timed uh-oh because of what I had been saying. <laughs> and then I just said, that's right, uh-oh. And everyone started laughing and... If you if you do this or that, you're going to hell. <laughs> uh oh, Dad! What? No, that's yeah. not what she's talking about, guys. That's not what she's talking about. <laughs> she's distracted over here. Yeah. Well, today, yeah. guys, we're gonna we're gonna probably um, do do what you already do every Sunday. Then, guys, talk during the sermon. Talk through what the pastor's usually talking about. I normally do these on my on my own, and I thought it'd be really interesting to bring in somebody else to do these. So we're going to take this month of episodes, me and Rob, to work through, as you can see on this, as the screen already, or if you're audio listening, you probably saw the title, but David Jeremiah, we're going to walk, work through one of his sermons uh, entitled, The Decision That Can Save Your Life. That's the name of the sermon. So do you name your sermons or no? Oh, I hate that. Actually, I mean, I I end up doing that because I'm I'm the one that puts the slide up there, like the title uh, slide. Okay, yeah. But yeah. it's like my least favorite thing to do. I like my sermon is called uh, uh, Matthew three sixteen to you know what I mean. Like that's that's it, and then I have to come up. It's usually last minute. Gotcha. Like maybe even Sunday morning when I yeah. type that slide. See, we're not technologically advanced, so we don't even have slides for the sermon. So it's just kind of turned to the chapter of whatever. So then sometimes if somebody's speaking, I mean, sometimes Dave will say this is I entitled this. But normally it's not, which is great because I, I also hate this <laughs> the title part. But I get it. Yeah, I get why you have to do it on the YouTubes or maybe if you're doing a series or whatever. But anyway, before we get into it, we have skipped all the way ahead to Minute Mark 8 in this video which will be linked in the description, by the way, in case you don't want to hear us talk. You just want to, you know, listen to this yourself. Um, but there are eight minutes worth of commercial. <laughs> before, before. I want to I want to ask you one thing real quickly. Is it yeah. is it not like incredibly difficult for you to remain objective? Knowing yes. things that you know what I mean? Like that you you sent me. So I ask you, the audience doesn't know this. I asked him um oh, oh, between last time we recorded and this time what what his criteria were again that he uh that he uh, and when i when i read that it was like that's good um but how do you it's it's really hard. like already right before we even go i know that this cat is on tbn which is a problem in and of itself for me and and like most of what the world knows him for is what's on the screen right now Right, like yeah. revelation. Well, that's and he's all like crazy into prophecy. That's why I have those three things. So, in case you guys said, I'm glad Rob brought it up before we started the sermon review. I try to remind at the beginning of every sermon review, we look at three things. So, one, do they read the text? Two, do they exegete the text using culture and context? And three, do they preach the gospel? And the whole reason I even use those criteria is because it's basically the only way for me to remain objective. Because if not, I'm coming into it with some sort of idea about this person's like a really good pastor, or this person's not a really good pastor. And so that at least gives me some guidelines or guide rails to bounce off of. So that's helpful, I find. Because I think, I don't know if it was the John MacArthur one or not, but there was there was one of a pastor that I was like, oh, this is typically a pretty good pastor that like on the gospel part, kind of didn't get all the way there. I did my own sermon review of myself and I didn't get all oh, the way wow. there on the gospel part. So that's one of the things that I think one, 
it's just interesting to see like who hits those criteria. And even when I myself sometimes don't hit that criteria all the way, but again, I, that's why it's there because yeah, if you enter into this, you're just like, wow, okay. Do some talk about prophecy where we at on this. So that's, that's why, that's why, that's why those criteria are there. Because if you go back and watch like the first ones that wasn't, and it was just very kind of like whatever I wanted to pick apart that day. And there was some very, very good feedback about that. And so then that's when every, I just changed it all to where I was like, all right, so yeah, we definitely need to have a bit more something here that keeps me in line. <laughs> so I'm not just yeah. going ape crazy on somebody over here because I don't like what they're saying or who they are. So guidelines. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So that's the idea. So we are going to, we're eight minutes into this already, guys. Uh, let me see real. Okay. Yeah. Huh? So uh, this right here. <laughs> If you want, you, I don't think we're going to look at it, but uh, you can go back and watch the eight minutes of commercials. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's quite, it's, uh, it's very, it's very, it's very well, uh, like thematically done. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very new world order ish in its, in its uh, dispensationalist take on the uh, prophecy. But anyway, so let's go ahead and get into the sermon. David Jeremiah, uh, the decision that can, Save your life. Here we go. Contact Turning Point today. Now, here is Dr. Jeremiah with his message, The Decision That Can Save Your Life. I never thought I'd see the day when marriage was thought to be obsolete by so many people. I never thought I'd see the day when the Bible was marginalized in our culture, in our government, but more tragic than all, in our churches. One thing I forgot. I think this is a conference. So I don't think this is a oh. church. I'm I don't I don't know, and I should have probably done the work on that. I'll, I'll mention why. So here in a minute, like this is almost right out of the gate. He's going to mention that uh, some people ask him all the time, and this could be just because he does conferences, or maybe this because this is a conference. I don't know which one it is, but he says people they will come up to him and say, "Hey, my pastor's not standing up for this, that, or the other." So I don't know if he's talking to them in the audience, like. Hey, this is a conference and your pastor may not do that. Or if he's saying when I travel, people do that. But anyway, I don't, I probably should have done the research on this. I don't know if this is his church or not, but if it is, it's enormous uh, because that's a whole stadium right there. So I, I know that his church is really big. Okay. So there you go. It may, it may be his church. I, I really should have done the research on that. But the point is it, it may not be. So here we go. I never thought I'd see the day when atheists would be so angry. So everywhere I go, people ask me this question. Dr. Jeremiah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. How am I supposed to make this work in this paradigm in which we're living? How am I supposed to live for Jesus Christ when everything around me seems to be disintegrating and even sometimes my own church doesn't stand up for the things that I've always believed? That's what I was talking about right there. And I have yeah. been forced to answer that question because I've raised the issues. And I was reminded when that question kept surfacing of a passage of scripture that I heard preached since I was a young person, a passage that was written to another generation of people who were living in a very similar time. Paul wrote these words to his Roman Christians who were living in the Roman Empire when the Roman Empire was ex extremely hostile toward Christianity. After teaching in his letter the doctrines of the faith and explaining the place of Israel in God's plan, 
he began the second half of his book with these familiar words from Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I could have asked the Lord to send me an answer to the question, what must I do in the midst of this confusing time, there could be no clearer answer than these two verses. For here in Romans 12, we are given some marching orders, some instructions, if you will. First of all, all right, before we get too far into it, what I try to do all the time, and I, I know we're, Rob's kind of t- <laughs> tagging along here. I don't know if you've ever watched the sermon review before, but the idea is kind of build it out, right? So what is he doing? Hold we on. are. There we go. I just didn't like half of his face being on the screen there. It's a personal preference. So um, the idea here is that <laughs> he starts, he was just fading out. So he starts off saying, here, here's the problem. Here's what scripture says about the answer. And now he's going to unpack it. Um, so lots of people, I don't know how you intro your sermons. I mean, there's lots of ways people do it, right? So people will either start with, you know, a story or they'll start with, and then use that to sort of segue in, or they'll start right off with scripture or they'll start off introducing themselves. He seems to just be like, Hey, here's the big problem. Here's the scriptural answer. And then he's going to use the rest of the time here to unpack that a bit. Um, he does use a, a bit of culture here. How do you start? How do you start yours? I know I've listened to a few of them, so I think I know, but I yeah. just, yeah, so um, so the template that I look at uh, that comes up before I really start writing anything, even any notes or or that sort of thing, the template that's in my mind is um, introduction to the sermon, introduction to the text, and then break down the text. I don't always follow that, right? Uh, and if something gets kicked to the side, it ends up being the introduction to the sermon. <laughs> and and I'll just go straight into in- introducing the the text that we're going to be in, which is essentially like explaining the. I'll start explaining the the immediate context and where we're at, um, what's going on, before we jump into the to the actual text. So I I do the story every once in a while, or the you know like you're taught in sermon school, right? To, That's hundred uh, percent. Yeah, to, connect with the audience. To, yeah, like do do the little story or do the uh, you know like uh, appalling statistic or what the the catch you know it's well, like I a good rap song right? He what, does kind of do that. Gonna be he does right? kind of do that. He's like I never um, thought I'd see such mad atheist. I mean, so he does sort of do that. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I don't always do that. I I don't have an issue with that. I think it's it's helpful for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think he does a, a good job so far. I mean, he he jumped, he did yeah. jump right into the text, you know. Yeah, and you know, yeah, that's, it wasn't a whole bunch of personal stories or anything, you know. Well, and I think part but, of that is his era. So, like when you watch all these different sort of pastors, depending on their age group range, they all seem to follow the same type of formula, and then you'll break off. Like so, like 
Uh, you have like the Andy Stanley group, that age group always has the televisions with the highlighted words where you could touch the screen. You have like the Jared, like this guy's group is always like behind a pulpit, usually in a suit. Like then you have like the group after the Andy Stanley is like, you know, like the Steven Furtick's, which are just like, ah, like they don't even have a, like, there's no screen. They're just walking around all the time. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, it's interesting to see genre wise for pastors. They all sort of all follow the same kind of template for whatever huh. reason, depending on who they're taught by and what even, even the things they have on stage is interesting. Like that television thing I kind of picked up on, like you can almost tell the the stream of teaching that people came through. If they have like this, the touchscreen and the little, anyway, it's just, it's just little things you pick up. But so yeah, he starts off fine. And one of the things I do, I think I should probably just state for the get go. This isn't going to be some raving, raving review from us. Like, to run it from the get-go, he does a decent job in this sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of walking through and picking, you know, saying, hey, what's good, what's bad? Is this, how will we do it here? So so if there's one thing that he's done so far that I that I try to stay clear from, I'm not going to say I never do it, but I attempt to not do this, is when he says that um, everywhere I go, people always ask me, da-da-da-da-da, right? I think that if you walked up to him after, I mean, this is an assumption, but that's a really big statement. And so I think if you walked up to him after this and said, um, name, name, uh, 10, you know, like, I don't think everywhere he goes, people ask him, people always ask him that like, that's a, that's, I get what he's doing there, but there, I think are better ways to say that, that don't include like, um, uh, fabrication frankly or well, yeah, you know, usually, you know that does it sound like embellishing a little bit yeah right? i'm sure he probably sees a theme right a, a between the sure. questions yeah, yeah i think that would probably be yeah that's that's what i've tried to state before like especially when i preach it there's something that i've seen crossed over from like online that i see a lot there seems to be this theme or this movement happening i think that's more accurate uh because literally it's like the influencer joke that like so many of you ask literally no one's asked and so it's one of those things yeah. where it's like it's like you see a theme <laughs> but no one's technically asked you this so yeah so yeah his start yeah. off's good right so he goes in he talks about culture and context so what he is talking about romans which typically uh you know written between 57 59 probably so i don't know if i would agree with him culturally that like this is the heat of the persecution because that's not quite nero going crazy yet time um but so that's the only thing that I do want to point out. I think the cultural aspect that he's talking about is great. A nitpicky thing for me. And let me just say, this is a definitely a nitpicky thing. I like whenever you say, Hey, Paul wrote this from Corinth. He's not there yet. He's writing to them. These are people he's writing to. It's a mix like of Jewish Gentile people, like just sort of breaking down why he's writing this letter. I understand not everybody does that. I really like it. Like you've like, not that anybody's waiting to win my approval, but that right there, I'm just like, stamp, this is amazing. This is great. You're actually letting people know. Um, and the only nitpicky thing and I do have. Yeah. I was just, go ahead, go ahead. The no, only nitpicky thing I have is the whole persecution thing. I think we really, really push persecu- Roman persecution way harder than we need to, because in truth, there were spikes of persecution, like hardcore persecution against Christians, but they were... I mean, I can three Nero Domitian, and then you have a little bit of spike later on in like the two, like one eighties, one nineties, uh, from, uh, 
Augustus Pius, I think. So, like, here, like, there's not, like, this idea of, like, there was just sustained persecution on the church and they didn't know what to do isn't necessarily true. Like, there's a lot more nuance there. And the way he's presenting it is, like, the Christians were just dying left and right. And that's, even at the time frame of their writing Romans, that's a bit iffy if, like Nero had gone full Nero yet. So that that's the only thing I just want to point out because I think we do, there's people you talk to or themes I see, I should say to be more accurate, where people assume that Christians were just continuously persecuted in Rome and therefore like we can connect to them because we're continually persecuted. And the truth is um, that's not oh, like incredibly accurate in regards to not everybody every day was on a stake burning. So like, there, right. there was a, hey, you guys are weird, and we don't really like you, and I guess we could connect in that way, but there wasn't like they were being jailed left and right every day, so that's... Yeah, you could, it, it would be better to, to talk about them being marginalized like we are. That's, yeah, right? that's a good connection. And, 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 and like saying that, that, that <laughs> they're, they're unimportant, they're the, the weird kid in the classroom, right? Um, and really, when you think about the context of Romans... Um, or the theme of Romans, what what's really going on behind the scenes more than any kind of persecution uh, from Rome is it's a it's a Paul is Paul is attempting to to bridge the gap between Jew and Gentile, right? And like, look, you're not better because of this, and you're not better because of this. None are righteous, right? And and then he just lays out the the gospel and how it applies to both equally and and so that's really what i think romans is more about um if you're just talking about theme and and the the point of romans but yeah i think i think too sometimes if you're like so just to to clarify something if you if you show up at at our church and um you show up this week and it's your first time you you won't probably hear me talk about Matthew's uh, Jewish audience, um, because we've been in Matthew forever and ever, right? Everybody and knows so that. they know this. It's something that that I do say periodically when it makes sense because of what something he says. Um, but if you're in a series of like walking through the the book of the Bible, uh, kind of a verse by verse thing, um, then you're probably not going to do that every week or every time you preach, but no, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. But it is it is necessary though. All right, all right. So let's 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 keep going. Let's keep going because we got a little bit here. Told that we must make a radical decision. He begins by helping us understand that this is a crucial decision. He says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren." In other words. I beg you, one author has said, I put my arm around you and I urge you to make this radical decision to present yourselves to God. And this is one of Paul's favorite expressions when he wants to make something come through as vitally important. What he is saying is this, as you look back over your lives as Christians and the mercy and the kindness that God has shown to you, it is time for you now to step forward and be counted for your faith. I urge you to make a radical decision. The secular world, according to J.I. Packer, never understands the Christian motivation. Faced with the question of what makes Christians tick, unbelievers maintain that Christianity is just the practice of self-serving purposes. 
They can't comprehend that we might love our God so much that we are willing to put ourselves in his hands. But that's what Paul has asked us to do. We can stand around and argue about all the things that are going wrong in our world and in our nation, but really before we can worry about all of that, maybe we need to take a good look at ourselves. The Bible says that if we're going to make it through this confusing time, we have to start with a radical decision on our own interest in our own part. I, I like that part in the sense that he's not saying, hey, it's the whole, like, this, and to be, to be totally transparent, this is literally the first David Jeremiah sermon I have ever heard in my life. I've heard, like, the older people in my congregation or in my life talk about him, about, you know, oh, you should really listen to David Jeremiah. I've never listened to him. Yeah. So that advice has fallen on deaf ears until now. So uh, one of the things that I do do appreciate about what at least he's saying, I don't know if he does this a lot, but he isn't making it like, oh, the world is the most terrible thing and we're just at the mercy of this terrible world and oh no, woe is us. And if it, was, if it wasn't for how bad they were, then we would be all right. I mean, he does say like, we need to look at ourselves at least and how we're processing things things first, uh, which I, I appreciate because I think he is drawing that back to, you need to really examine yourself here when you're looking at, Hey, all the things around me, all these things are going on. How are you then perceiving that? Which I, I think is helpful. Not everybody does that. All right. Let's, you got anything before we jump back in or no? Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think it's good so far. Um, I, I, I like, like you said, it's, um, you know, part of, part of the, the point of preaching, um, a Christian sermon is, uh, if it's, it, you know, especially in your, your church body setting is to cut them to the heart with the text and, and, um, is that the, the text would, would cut them to the heart and, and change us right more than us, uh, uh, having more information when we leave which which is fine but that's not the point the point is to leave continuously changed by the word of god and um and so it's good i think that he does what you're talking about what he's just been doing and that he does he doesn't sugarcoat the way that the world is right um but then he his attention is turned to you right and and that's important that's something that's missing in a lot of places because a lot of a lot of the sermons, a lot of the people whose sermons you tend to review, um, uh, are uh, when they start talking about you, the audience. It's like a pep talk, right? It's a, it's going to be a, a motivational speech more than a you. You need to look at in the mirror a little bit here, right? And, yeah. And that's what the word of God is supposed to do. So he's, he's doing a good job with that, I think. All right, let's keep going. This word present is a word which means to bring your offering to the Lord. And it's a picture of Old Testament sacrifices where they would bring their sacrificial offering in their hands and present it to God. Paul uses that and he says, I want you to take yourselves and I want you to present yourselves to God. When he speaks of our bodies, he's not talking about just skin and bones. He's talking about the totality of who we are. He's talking about coming to the Lord and saying, I don't know what's going on out there in this world. I don't know how I'm gonna get through it, but Lord, the only way I'm gonna get through it is if I am totally in your control and it's your command. So I present my body totally to you for you to take control of my life. This decision is also very costly. 
This is not for wimps. This is not a walk in the park, my friends. This is not easy believism. Notice what he says, a living sacrifice. You say, well, Dr. Jeremiah, that's a misnomer. That's a disconnect. That's an oxymoron. (laughs) Sacrifices don't live, they die. In the Old Testament, sacrifices were dead animals. But in the New Testament, sacrifices are living believers. And God says, just as that animal was totally consumed because of its worship to the Lord, we are to be consumed by our commitment to Jesus Christ. And I am passionate about this because I realize we are in a very vulnerable place as a nation and in our churches. If we continue down the road of just trying to be Christian enough so that we can get counted on the roll, we are going to be victimized by the culture in which we live. It's a crucial decision. It's a comprehensive one. It's a costly one. And So, uh, nothing about what he's saying yet, but just one, th- well, I mean, what he's saying, but not particularly about what he's saying. One of the things that I'm noticing, one, because, you know, every church pans the audience uh, while they're doing it, but uh, the, the, the age group that's there is, like, older. Um, and one of the things that, like, we've both said so far, and I think we would probably both agree on as we get through this sermon, this isn't, like, this is good. This isn't bad. Like, I didn't, like, when we, when I picked this, I wasn't like, oh, we're going to tear them apart. Um, like, this is good. And I think one of the things, unfortunately, like, the style, he's running through, like we already said, he's pointing toward you. Like, you need to look at you. How, how are we interacting with the society around us? Not just doing just enough to be a Christian. Um. He's talking in a way that unfortunately doesn't appeal to younger people, but is 100% factual in regards to like he's working through and he's saying, hey, this is what this word means. This is what Paul's conveying. This is what we should be doing. And he's not running around on the stage like a crazy person making it all about you. He's actually saying you actually need to look at this, look at yourself and say, am I this? And the sad part, I think, to me is that I'm sorry, I got a cold. The sad part to me, I think, is that it's like his audience here isn't, it's not a mixed age group of people that really need to hear this and understand it because he's not running around and he's in a suit and everybody hears a boomer. And so it's just like, there are certain people that aren't going to hear this message because of just how he's presenting it that need to probably hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, this is so David Jeremiah is really known for his eschatological stuff. Okay, see, so yeah, right. Yeah. I, I mean, the so the the um very heavily dispensationalist, um, which is, I mean, I, I got nothing against dispensational people. Um, They're just wrong, uh, right? but <clears throat> right, um, but. <laughs> when I started um, that, I'm sorry. But the. Keep going. the <laughs> Uh, but when you, um, so the whole, the, 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 he's, he's one of the guys who will, who will find, you know, oil in Iran in the scriptures and all of these kinds of things. Right. And, and so when you have, when that's your audience, this sermon is, is, uh, very necessary. Um, this is a message that would be good for any church, right? Don't get me wrong. It, it would be helpful for anybody 
because the the people in our church I know uh, are each of them go are, are in the midst of different kinds of situations, um, and every one of those situations will have moments where you you're like how how do I go on right, um, but but particularly knowing his his typical audience um, that they're the the rapture is going to be soon this is going to get bad. How are we right? Like this is the kind of, so, and as far as the age and demographic of the audience, uh, that that's, that's kind of the demographic that is most, uh, most heavily uh, in, in that eschatological view. Right. Um, and so uh, it, this is, this all kind of makes sense to me. I think esch his eschatology and, and being uh, well known for that specifically um, is part of why this is the age group that he attracts. So this is where maybe my ignorance of who he is and what he usually preaches about maybe is showing. Because so what you're saying is he's pegged himself into such a demographic niche that there's other people that are just like you're nuts. I'm not going to listen to you no matter what you say. Basically. Well, I I don't I don't I don't necessarily think that that there's a group of folks who thinks he thinks that he's nuts, but. Um, it would be I, I I think that just from the the things that I've heard of him, um, the things that I've witnessed of him, uh, and and what I know of uh, some of the folks that I know who listen to him all the time, um, is is that he's he's not going to alienate a whole bunch of people necessarily, but I do think he's going to attract a specific people. And by attracting um, specific people, other people are like, ah, that's not really my crowd. <laughs> so probably I'm going to hang there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just the truth. Right. You're going to have people that are like, Oh, a bunch of gray haired people in polos. That's ain't my people. <laughs> so <laughs> <I'm not> gonna... <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth of it. Just like those same people would be like, Oh, a bunch of people that, you know, that have, their phones out all the time. That's not my people. So yeah, there's just, mm -hmm. yeah, there's just like, Oh, there's natural separation from happening. So, so the uh, point to make the point right in the sermon that we're listening to right now, um, right before he, when he's talking about the context of his verse verses that he's in, um, he doesn't talk about the theme that I was talking about earlier. Uh, of the tension, the, the gospel tension between Jew and Gentile. He doesn't talk about that. He talks about um, right after uh, uh, Paul lays out God's plan for Israel, right? So he, he lays out this, the eschatological thing that, that gotcha, you pick yeah. up on. So he's already got just his before. Theme. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So this is, this is the, the lenses. These are the lenses through which he operates. Um, a lot of a lot of times so i i'm just noticing those kinds of things just because i know who he is you know well, and, and that's and... good because <clears throat> we talk about that a lot through uh through the sermon reviews is that you can tell a lot of times someone's theology even if they don't state it outright by the words they use or by the lenses in which they view the particular verses through and i think that's a good catch yeah, from you i sure. didn't catch that and that's one of the things that lots of times i mean Obviously, the name on the church or the denomination is going to give you a really good idea as far as views in general, but especially if it's community church, whatever, right? It's probably a Baptist church, but if it's just a community church, um, you you can tell by how the pastor preaches the 
the the words that he uses most of the time his views on a lot of different things so that's a good catch hey guys thanks for watching this week's section of the babylon pastor podcast sermon review if you liked it make sure you leave a like you comment you share you do all the things that help feed the algorithm and make sure you check out next week for the next section of this podcast